Come join Melissa and her guests on the Chats from the Blog Cabin podcast. From North Carolina, this podcast will have you feeling like you've known these folks for years. Listen in as they chat about life, culture, current events, and more, all with a special Southern flair. Curl up with your favorite beverage and get ready to be entertained. Tune in now for a unique experience that's fun and insightful. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know, the show where I virtually invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. And today we have a returning guest, John. You may remember John wrote a book called It's Not About the Sex. It was about human trafficking. But now he's come back with a book, It's Not About the Predator, which I absolutely love. It's like a parent's guide to internet and social media strategy. But John, before we get into this little booklet that you wrote for parents and kids alike, um let's tell refresh the viewers and the listeners who you are again uh sure so so i'm an author and uh this is my third book and it was really a genesis of the research that i did with the book on trafficking and what i found is that the predators tactics and the way they approach especially online is very similar to whether they're looking for a you know, a trafficking situation or something else, something where they're maybe looking for pictures or to meet up with somebody. And so there's a lot of overlap and that, that kind of uh, sparked me to create this booklet uh, for parents to, to kind of give them a kind of a practical, no nonsense kind of guide. Yeah, because you did, you delved into a lot with it. It's not about the sex. I learned a lot from that particular book. So I love the fact that you brought out a guide for parents because Social media is one thing that it's hard even for parents and as adults to navigate, but as a kid to navigate, it's a whole nother chapter, a whole nother can of worms, I should say. Well, yeah, because, you know, even if your kid isn't looking for trouble, trouble is definitely looking for them. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff with uh, social media, Internet, and, and kids can stumble across things. Um you know, they certainly can get in trouble on their own. Uh, you know, school sexting is a big issue now. That is really something that this generation of parents is, is really the only one that's had to deal with it. it. It wasn't like that 20 years ago, you know, before smartphones came into vogue. So it, it's something new that, that a lot of parents are not used to. And certainly if you're older or grandparents, um, it, it's really something that uh, people are not aware of. Yeah, so let's dive in. Let's talk about number one. What's the most important? If you could have to give one tip to parents about how to navigate social media and the internet, what would be the first tip off, off the very top of your head that you would say across the board, this is what parents need to be aware of? Yeah, I, I think the first tip is really to uh, pay attention to what's going on on your kid's phone in chat rooms and private messaging you know every app every game everything out there has private messaging it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a game for kids like roblox it has private messaging it has chat rooms and predators are going to set up a fake profile look like they are the same kind of age as somebody else and as a parent you, you just have no idea who the other person is on, on the other end of that chat room. So how can parents learn that what their kids are actually chatting with are actually kids their age as opposed to a 45-year-old male or woman that is 
um, trying to be a predator? Yeah, it, it's really tough. So if, if I was a parent of, of a young kid, I would probably only allow them to play games with people that they personally know from school, family members, things like that. And, and, and you're right. Anybody can set up a fake profile and they've made it look like they're a 12 year old kid when in fact they're really not. And so if you don't know that person personally, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't allow my child to go and be in a chat room with them because you just don't know, uh, you know, who they are. And, and we know the predators are out there and that's where they lurk. They lurk in these games and applications that are popular with kids. Now we're about ready to get into a lot of, um, schools are going on spring break and pretty soon summer breaks coming up. What can parents do to kind of curb the social media for the kids? Because, Oh, everything's for the gram. Like we saw signs going, I just came back from Tennessee and we saw signs do it for the gram, do it for the gram. Talking about stopping at Bucky's. Yeah. Stop at Bucky's. Just do it for the gram. What can parents do to help kind of curb the social media with the kids? Yeah, I, I think one of the key things is to definitely limit the time that they're on, make sure that whatever they are on is on age appropriate types of applications. And that's a little bit of a tricky term because people think of things like Snapchat or Kick or TikTok as age appropriate for, say, that young teenager. But in fact, there's a lot of danger out there. A lot of those programs you know, they have links to pornography. They have, uh, you know, chat rooms where people can just show up and you just said never know who, who that person is. You can put in parental control software to see what's going on. And I suggest that parents definitely take a look at that. Um, but I think limiting the time and really kind of getting in there with the kid and just having the honest conversation that there are bad guys out there and they just need to be aware of, of what's going on. If anything sounds strange, they need to talk to that parent or trusted adult. I love how in this little pamphlet you talked about, just like you did in all your other books, you gave examples like, uh, like a police officer went in within five minutes, made a fake profile and had showed how you made a fake profile in five minutes. And you showed that, hey, not everybody's who they seem. Why did you take that approach again to this book as opposed to in your other books, you did the same exact approaches? Yeah, I, I think for, for me, it's, it, it's having some of those real life examples that isn't just theory. It isn't just a report, uh, you know, bullets on a, on a PowerPoint slide. It's trying to show that and show headlines that this stuff is really out there. And this is, you know, some of the interviews that I had with the police officer you know, he told me exactly how the predators do it. What do they do? What, why are they doing what they're doing? And, and how are they becoming successful? And so trying to tell some of those stories to the parents kind of makes it seem real and specific and not just kind of a, you know, vague you know, warning, so to speak. Now you have this for parents. Do you have a guide for kids as well? Uh, I don't. Yeah, this is really for parents. And, and hopefully the way that a parent will use it will to sit down with their with their kid or their teen and go through some of these things and, and have those conversations about even if it's, again, not your kid, but 
they have they have friends and a lot of times you know a friend will will show another kid something on their phone that might be inappropriate and group chats happen all the time there are stories out there that you know for example where where a kid had sent out a a picture of herself that was inappropriate and it landed up getting on a group chat of 20 people mm-hmm. so even if your kid isn't the isn't the one sending it they may just be inadvertently on a group chat and technically they now have child pornography on their phone and of course that's a problem yeah so how do we get around that i mean honestly yeah because a lot of kids these days don't think oh it's not going to happen to me or they don't think twice about sending a picture of themselves not thinking it's child pornography how can we get around that how do we teach these kids that it is it's going to make a difference it's going to affect them yeah, I, I think it, it's having those honest conversations that, that to say, look, if you're in middle school, by definition, by any state's definition, that's going to be child pornography. And not only could that you know person get in trouble for having that on their phone, but if you're the one that has sent it, you know, things on the Internet don't go away. They, they, ha- they take a life of their own. And you see that leading to a lot of cyberbullying and you know people kind of getting a bad reputation those kinds of things and it follows you and when you're 13 or 14 you don't think of consequences down the line the last thing you want to be doing is you know graduating college and having a job interview and somebody doing a background text and they see some picture you sent out when you were in eighth grade yep and i I don't know how many times i had that conversation with my my girls about especially on Twitter. You got to watch what you say on Twitter. You got to watch what you do on Twitter. You have to watch what you do on social media because you never know when it's going to come back. Oh, nobody's going to see it. You never know. Things are out there. Once you put it on the internet, it's out there somewhere. Well, and, and it can take a life of its own. And, you know, that's the mindset of, of, of all teenagers, of all generations, mm-hmm. that it's not going to happen to me. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm smarter than that. But this generation is is just so different in the sense that those pictures are going to be out there they're going to stay out there and more than likely they're going to be used against you for some reason there's a lot of uh, extortion going on with pictures and that's a you know that's something that's really only occurred in the last five years or so and and kids don't don't realize that that's going to happen to them if, 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 if they, you know, take those kinds of risks. I'm thinking while you're talking about things being out there and extortion, I don't know if you've seen the recent documentary on um, Netflix called about Pamela Anderson. It's called love Pamela. And basically her and her husband had made a tape right. and, but they didn't put it out. They kept it and used it for only themselves, but somebody stole it and they ended up putting it out. And nobody even, I mean, they never got a cent from it at all. But the fact that someone actually used that tape and tried to extort money from them saying, hey, this is what, we've got your tape. You got to pay us as much. And because they wouldn't pay them for it and they just wanted it back, they, I forget how the story goes, they actually used it and took it to a pornography place and had it put in production. And they had no say over it whatsoever, even though it was their tape. So kids need to realize that if it can happen to a celebrity like that, it can happen to them as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and those are the kinds of things that you know a lot of kids don't think of. And predators will pay for those kinds of pictures. That's one of the predator tactics is they'll start out with something, say, very innocent. Send me a picture of your feet and I'll give you $10. And a 13-year-old or something like that is going to say, oh, what's the big deal? No problem. Now I can get money. And of course, in today's world, you can make those payments electronically. So now all of a sudden they have money. They can go you know, spend money at Amazon or something like that, PayPal, et cetera. Well, the predator is going to use that tactic. They're going to say, I'll give you $10 for your feet. And they're going to keep trying to ratchet that up $20, $50, $100. And of course, the more money that they're going to pay, the more something explicit is going to be. But they're trying to groom them. And because it's so easy to set up these profiles and it's just so quick to make those requests, they're not just working on one person, they're working on dozens of people and they're going to go after whoever has a reaction. That is so true. We need to take a brief break, but when we come back, I want to talk about the reason why you actually wrote this. So we'll be right back. Okay. Hi, I'm Alice Chun. I'm the inventor of the solar puff. This is a solar puff. It flat packs flat like an origami balloon and you can pop it open and you get a beautiful cube of light no batteries needed just the sun and we are using this for PTSD therapy with children in Ukraine and now I'm going to Turkey to deliver these to the earthquake victims so light design and this is the solar puff. Hi, I'm Alice Chun. I and we are back chatting with John. I love how you talked about in your book, it's not about the predator, how you talk about the predator playbook. How much did you investigate and research about this playbook? Uh, yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of investigation and research related to the trafficking book. And and I was doing presentations with people and a lot of questions came from the audience about, well, how do they do this online and et cetera. And it kind of really expanded uh, my knowledge because I was sparked to try to go, come up with those answers. And so I started uh, doing more research about it. And try to look at it logically as far as, well, if, if a predator does this and they know a teen is going to react, you know, what is the likely outcomes? And, and that was kind of the genesis of, of this predator playbook to try to really show what these guys are doing, how they're doing it, what are their real life tactics, and then what are, you know, of course, all the bad outcomes as a result of that. What age do you think parents need to really sit down and start having the conversation? Maybe not having the in-depth conversation, but start having the conversation to make the kids aware, but not so aware that they're absolutely afraid of every little thing in their life, but aware of what may happen. Well, I, I think you need to start when they're spending time online by themselves. And that could be different ages. I mean, I've seen some kids with an iPad at four years old and they're mm -hmm. online. 
And that's probably not what I would recommend. But when that time starts that they're online by themselves, that's when you need to start having those conversations and you know, going to it slowly, uh, whether it's the time that they're on, make sure you're very aware of the applications or games that they are spending their time on. Because you know, things like Snapchat, for example, are is a very popular program. But a lot of parents don't know that there's secret folders in Snapchat called My Eyes Only. So you might be a parent, you look at their your kid's Snapchat story, looks fine, no problem. But if you're not looking at the secret and hidden folders, then you don't really have the full picture. And so I think having those conversations when they start utilizing these programs and be on, you know, be honest, tell them you're going to look at their stuff and they can complain about privacy. And then you can remind them that they're just a child. They're just a kid. And you're going to look at it anyways and follow through with that because, you know, it's really your responsibility to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do and protecting them because there's a lot of stories of kids coming from nice households that get tricked or trapped into a situation that they can no longer control. And it can happen to good kids, kids that have had those, you've had those conversations with, there's plenty of stories out there. And, and it's not just, you know, the totally unsupervised kids that are running into problems. I'm glad you made that point because a lot of people think that it's not going to happen to my kid because my kid comes from a good home. I love the fact you made the point that saying it can happen to anybody. Yeah, I, I was just I was just looking at a video uh, the other day that was um, it was it was one of these social experiment videos. And it, there was a video of a, of a guy who went to the parents and said, OK, you think your kid has been. Uh, well-versed in the dangers, I'm going to set up a profile and I'm going to contact your kid on Snapchat and let's see what happens. And long story short, they, um, the person set up a fake profile as a 15 year old and said, Hey, let's meet. And this guy came to this girl's house. So she provided the address, opened the door and said, you have to be quiet because my dad's asleep and he doesn't allow boys over. And so, and then of course the dad like pops out and immediately confronts the kid. And so the point of it is even those kids that have had those conversation with the parents, they're still susceptible. They're still making bad decisions. And luckily this was an experiment the parents were in on it the whole time. And it can happen to even those kinds of, you know, normal, regular kids from suburbia. Wow. I can't, I can't even imagine. I mean, growing up, I never had, we had to worry about stranger danger, someone driving up in the proverbial white van and pulling you right. up, taking you, but not to what the kids face today as far as online predators. What can you give to parents to kind of ease their minds a little bit? Not to say, hey, you shouldn't worry about it, but hey, this is this is something that you should think about, but not so much that you're controlling your child 100% so they can't move at all. Yeah, I, I think part of it is is having that open dialogue and, mm -hmm. and, and just talking about scenarios. What if somebody did this? Or 
even even don't even have to put your kid on the spot. What if your friend came to you and said, hey, somebody sent me a, a friend request and they want to meet and I have no idea who this person is. And you can have those kinds of dialogues, the what if scenarios. So that way, if 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 a kid is approached, because it's more likely than not that they will get approached in some manner. And but you want them to not have it go too far and then have that conversation with with the kid. And and so that's really the best way to um, to try to thwart off these predators. I love how in the in this book you give um, like some tips and ways to protect your kids, like talk to your kids, which we talked about. And you also talked about limiting the number of people that they follow or their friends. Let's talk about how did you come up with two hundred? Yeah, so, <laughs> so when I interviewed um, Officer Gomez, who has his own Facebook account with over a hundred thousand followers, and he talks about online safety. And we were talking about, you know, popular suburban high school girls. And, and he said essentially that the very most popular ones can have 5,000 friends and followers. Mm. And the mindset of that kid is that having a large number of followers is a goal instead of a problem. Mm. And I guarantee you that teenager does not know 5,000 people that are following on their Snapchat stories and et cetera. And, and so I, you know, I, I just kind of pulled out 200 in the sense of that's a lot of people that they may personally know. Now that can include family, kids at school, you know, siblings of, of, of their friends, that type of thing. But that's significantly less than thousands of followers. And, you know, it's just parents need to understand that that's how kids get affirmation these days. How many people liked my story? How many people give me a thumbs up? That type of thing. Yeah. And it's a different mindset. And so part of it is, you know, the first thing is kind of understanding that as a parent, because this is a generation like no other in that respect. And then you also talked about geotags. Tell people what geotags are and what parents should look for as far as geotags. Yeah, there, there's lots of ways you can get spoofer programs. And that can mean there's there's spoofer programs that can hide apps, rename apps, and one of them is a GPS spoofer. And what that does essentially is you as the owner of the phone can program in where you want your location to look like. A lot of a lot of parents have a find my friends app type of thing, mm -hmm. and it makes it look like they're at a friend's house or the library or the school or whatever. But in reality, they're somewhere else. And so it spoofs that location and essentially um, makes the parent think that they're somewhere where they're not. You know, another good spoof spoofer program is the calculator app. It, it really does calculator programs, but it also has, and this is how they advertise it, as you can keep secrets and get your hidden folders. And so it's just... You know, it's just something that parents need to be aware of. And new apps like that are coming out all the time. You, you know, it's impossible to keep up. And that's why I recommend that, that a parent thoroughly vet any kind of app or game that's downloaded on the kid's phone so you really understand what they're, what they're looking at, what they're using. Yeah, because apps are everywhere. I do love the fact that you 
list in your book seven of the best parental control apps. Where did that come from? Was that something that you vetted or was that something from like the police officer that you talked to? Yeah, I, I got that from a website that, um, you know, that rates these apps. And so uh, it, it was called Very Well Family. And they seem like they like they're pretty reasonable uh, to describe one of those apps. And, and some are you know pricier than others. Uh, but one of them is it, you, know, you can mirror what's on the kid's phone. It can send you an alert that if anything kind of looks kind of strange and, you know, let's be honest, it's really spying on what your kids are doing. But teenagers are notorious for not always mm-hmm. telling their parents what's going on. And you want to find out stuff sooner rather than later. That is so true. And let's talk again. Uh, you said in this book about not ignoring the signs. You talk about 750,000, about 750,000 predators are online at one time. So how can we, luckily my girls are 21 through 27 but i still worry about them even though they're 21 through 27 but as teenagers how can we protect the teenagers because you're right they're like oh let's hook up you know let's you know a lot of people are like find my friends or facebook or they find they meet somebody on instagram and they want to go on a date with them or something like that how do we as parents say okay we need to vet this person first yeah you know today's teenager really equates a friend to, to be equal, whether they know them in person or whether they know them online. Mm-hmm. And that's you, 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 when you read the, a lot of the stories and you do the research and, and you ask somebody asked the teenager, why did you meet up with this person? Well, they're my friend because they really view online friends as regular mm-hmm. friends where, you know, those of us older think of friends as people that we actually know. So that's where you're having that conversation with with the kid asking, well, who are your best friends? And if some of those are online, well, let's go meet them. Can I meet them? Can you introduce me to them? And are they local? Are they here or, or somewhere else, et cetera? And so it's, it's really trying to you know, stay involved with There's a lot of busy parents. There's a lot of unsupervised kids. And so it takes a lot of diligence and a lot of effort. But that's really the only way you, you can get it done. You, you can't just rely on you know, time limits or parental control software. Those are guardrails. And any kid that's highly motivated is, will always find a way around some kind of parental control. Which brings me to the next question: What to watch for for addictive behaviors? I mean, because when people when they're playing games and they're on it all the time, you know, you know, anybody that's a parent of a teenager or a young kid that gets on a video game, they get in the zone, and they're like, don't even listen to what you have to say, and don't feed the dog, don't even stop sometimes to even get themselves something to eat. So, what can parents watch out for addictive behaviors? How can we watch out for them? How can we kind of curb it? Yeah, it, you know, if, if you talk to psychologists, they're, they're talking about internet addiction with teens as, as this relatively new problem. And it used to be texting, um, 
when that's all your phone can do. And then it just exploded when smartphones came into vogue. And so you're right. It's if they are spending too much time on games, on social media, you know, chatting, going, you know, going to message boards, et cetera, uh, you've got to limit that time. Uh, don't let the kid take their phone into their room when they go to sleep. Uh, otherwise they're going to be doing it up till two in the morning. So have, have them hand over the phone to you when they go to bed and, um, and just make sure that, you know, they're, that they're doing regular kid stuff. They're, they're spending time with friends. They're going outside to play those kinds of things. And they're not just so attached to their phone, um, where it's literally, you know, attached to their hip, so to speak. And, and, and so that's, that's some of the things I would recommend. I know as a parent, I remember a stage, especially my youngest daughter, because she, she's, she's turning 21 this year, but I can remember where she would not be without her phone. Like she had, well, she lost her phone. She would like go like spaz out, but now it's like, okay, I don't need it as much. How, why is that? Why are they so attached to that phone? Why? That's what my thing is, you know, yeah, you know, they they because they have a digital life. They have that's how social credit is built these days with teens is if you're not in a group chat of whatever the latest gossip is, it's that fear of missing out. And so that's one of the things that that teens are looking at and they want those those likes and those people following my story and and you know, people tend to put you know, almost like this perfect life online of look at all these fun things I'm doing. I'm on vacation or, uh, you know, going out with my boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. And so they have this digital life. And if that digital life, you know, goes south, they're, they're really devastated. And, uh, and so that's a different, you know, different set of circumstances than teenagers of before. There were always self-esteem issues or, you know, who's in the in crowd and those kinds of things. But now it's just, it's exploded. So there's more pressure to have this digital life as well and build up that social credibility. That is so true. Now, what happens if your kid comes to you and they say, or you find out that they have somehow connected with a predator and you don't want to put the blame on the kid because the kid really honestly don't really know what they're doing. I mean, they don't realize that when they send a picture of their foot or they put something out that in their mind, they kind of know it's wrong, but they still like can't really figure out the consequences because they're not long term thinkers or like short term. What right. feels good in the moment, they're going to do it. And then consequences later, what as parents do, need to do when they come to you or when they find out something has happened? Yeah. Yeah. The first thing to do is to is to don't panic. Don't freak out. Uh, don't start yelling and screaming. Um, what you really want to do is, is work on this issue with the kid as a team. And if it's some type of explicit picture, for example, whoever that is, whether it's a predator or maybe, you know, it, it could even be like an ex-boyfriend or something like that at school that's now using that picture or threatening you with it, they're counting on that kid's embarrassment. That's what they're counting on for manipulation. So 
the first thing you want to do is you're going to want to block whoever that predator is. Mm. Now, you don't want to delete your account because if, you know, if it's serious and you can go to, for example, a school resource officer mm -hmm. who is a police officer in the school, um, they're going to want to look at that um, account to try to track who that predator is. So if you delete the account, that's going to be a problem. So you don't want to do that. And as a parent, you don't want to, you know, don't, don't take a picture of that picture because now all of a sudden that explicit picture is on your phone. And, and so you're going to want to, uh, to do that. And if you go to uh, like websites like the National Center for um, Exploited Children, there's a whole guide of what to do if your kid gets in trouble. And so there's resources out there like, like them or thorn.org. They will give you, you know, kind of step-by-step -step advice, depending upon the seriousness, you can, you can talk to that, um, you know, police officer to, to kind of help. They're not looking to try to bust some 14 year old, but if it's a predator who is doing this to other kids, they're going to want to track that person down because I guarantee you, if a predator has approached your kid, your kid is probably not the first. So let the police do their job to try to figure out kind of who's behind it. So why do you have such a passion for, for sharing your, what you learned in, the, in writing a, the first two books and sharing it with parents? Because you've taken on this as a passion project. Why do you have such a passion for this? Well, I, I, I think that the way I look at it is the vulnerability of kids and it's, you know, it was always hard growing up, but this generation is, is much more susceptible to people from everywhere. As you mentioned, when we were growing up, it was always the, you know, the guy in the, in, in, in the white van at the edge of the park trying to, you know, get a kid to look at their puppy or something. Mm -hmm. And although the, those guys are still out there, when you're online, you are visible to anyone all over the world. So it doesn't matter. You could be sitting at the kitchen table as mom and dad are making dinner and that predators could be on your phone right in your own house, literally. And so I, I really wanted to give parents the tools and give them some kind of no nonsense, real world examples of what's going on out there. So, so they can do that because to me, a great parent is probably one of the most important things that, that an adult can strive for. That is so true. And we, parents need to take a stand too and not give in to their kids. Because a lot of parents were like, it's not worth the fight. I'm just going to let them have and do whatever they want, you know, or let them have their phone because I'm not, I don't want to fight with them today. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, the trend is to be more of the friend than the parent. And, and I think that that's a mistake. And, um, and sometimes those mistakes happen and you find out when it's too late. And these can be very, you know, traumatic instances for a teenager. I mean, it could be traumatic if it happens to you as an adult. But if you're a teenager, you know, it really leads to depression, stress, you know, anorexia, you know, hurting yourself. Um, you know, it, it, it can lead to uh, teen suicide, those kinds of things. So it can lead to all these bad outcomes. And if you can 
thwart that, nip that in the bud, mm-hmm. um, you're going to save a lot of heartache later. And, you know, as you mentioned, kids, teenagers, they're not always thinking of the future. They're impulsive. They don't always make the best decisions. You know, everybody makes mistakes. You just hope that you can teach them to make little ones instead of big ones. And when they do make those mistakes, not react in such a way that it puts the child further and further into the hands of the predator. Yeah, because if, if, if you're the kind of parent that's going to freak out because maybe they've seen it with an older sibling or on other things, they're not going to want to come to tell you about stuff, even if they know that you might help because they're afraid of what that reaction might be. And so, you know, trying to be, and, and, I, and I know it's upsetting, so it, it sounds easy to say don't freak out. Maybe freak out a little bit, but then be calm Make sure that your kid knows that you're on his or her team and that you're going to work on it together. The world is not ended. You're still going to be able to find happiness and, you know, achieve all the goals and dreams that they want to pursue, et cetera. It's not the end of the world. Kids, especially teenagers, everything is a drama, right? And Mm -hmm. so, yes, this is going to be drama, but they will get through it. And, uh, and look at some of those resources that I mentioned that, that will help them, you know, kind of get through it. I highly recommend this book because you do a lot in this little, short, little, I mean, parents, it's really a very, how many pages are there? I don't even know. It's very 30 some pages. It's a very brief, but very thorough book. That is a great guide for parents. But do you ever think about writing one? for kids so that they can kind of from maybe dumb it down a little bit so that they know what to look out for in case somebody comes to them. I know parents are talking to them, but sometimes parents don't know a lot. So if they hear it from an outside source, they may be more likely to believe it than they would believe it if their parents told them. Yeah. It's definitely something for me to consider. I've, I've got a lot of projects that I'm working on, um, and, uh, and so you bring up a great point and I, I could see that coming in, in the future. Um, but yeah, it's a $6 book. You can, you can get it a print copy or a Kindle copy. It's, it's kind of the easiest $6 no brainer you ever spent. And it's also on Kindle unlimited. So if you're with Kindle unlimited, you actually can download it for free and read it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so basically it's not, it's, it's a great investment for your kids. Um, and it's something that I honestly think that every parent should have. And um, our time is almost up, John. What is one last little nugget? You know, I always do my last nugget. One's the last nugget that you would like to share. Sure. So, you know, the other um, you know, kind of big issue with teens today is, is the availability of, of pornography. And, and you see that happening at a younger and younger age where kids either on purpose or stumble onto it. A lot of the stats out there are that they're, they're seeing that stuff as early as 10 years old. And that brain is just not ready to see those kinds of images. And if they get, if they get into that and get addicted to that or see that it's going to warp their view of relationships. It's going to make it sound and seem like sexting is a normal thing. And so I encourage parents to, to have those tough conversations 
and and just kind of explain what are the dangers of that and why that's inappropriate for someone at such a young age. And, and so I think that's an important thing that, that parents also need. It's really tied into kind of the, the sexting issue and, and parents need to think about that and talk to the kids about it. And where can people find you at? Yeah, so, so the book can be bought on Amazon and I have a website, www.itisnotabout.com. It has descriptions of my other books and it has a way to contact me as well. And if, I'm hoping that you said you had a lot of projects coming, working on. What are you working on currently? So, um, you know, I, I viewed human trafficking as some as something that's really one of the most evil things that somebody could do to another human being. And, you know, the Predator book is kind of like that. It's really taking advantage of someone who's vulnerable. To me, that's 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 pretty bad. That's pretty evil. And so the book I'm working on now is is working on telling the stories of people who are fighting uh, fighting evil. So it's another serious book, serious topic. And I hope to be uh, to be back in maybe uh, six months or so. Yeah, because you're already back <laughs> for this one. <laughs> I, I, every six months, it uh, works out for me. So. <laughs> Well, John, I want to thank you for coming on and for not only writing your first two books, but also writing this book, because I think this is definitely a handbook. It's not about the predator that all parents need to have on their bedside, um, especially if you're navigating the the tween teen years, because those are the toughest years as far as kids go, as far as parenting, especially teenagers. They are the toughest. It's almost like when they hit middle school, they become a totally different child. And then you get them back after they graduate high school. <laughs> so then you get back to normal. Style. <laughs> it, it's, it's true. It's, it's, uh, it, it, it is a tough thing. And, and, uh, you know, it was always tough to grow up, but I think it is tougher now and parents need more tools. And I think this is a tool that they can use. And, you know, it's not a one-time conversation. It's, it's a conversation that you're going to want to have on a regular basis as they grow up. And, uh, you know, and I guarantee that it'll it'll make um, definitely some bonding experience conversations between you and the teen and 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 really help to show that you support your kid. And this is one way to do it. And I really appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you so much, John, for being on. And I actually was thinking about as you were saying that that maybe parents should approach it. And I like oh, we need to have a talk, but like approach it over a general conversation or something. So it's like casual that they bring it up. So it's not like, Oh, bam, 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 the strict, 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 but something in casual conversation that you have that develops more and more over time. Yeah. Because they, you, your kid might not be doing something like that, but I guarantee that a friend or someone that they know at school has gotten into trouble and that can spark the conversation in kind of a non-threatening way uh, to bring up these topics because they'll hear rumors of stuff going on at school, you know, with other kids. And that might be a, a way to spark that conversation. Yep. You're right. John, thank you so much for coming on. And once again, it's not about the predator, a parent's guide to internet and social media safety. I also link in the show notes where you can buy his other two books. I highly recommend them because they are eye openers and they will definitely teach you a lot. Um, you will have to sometimes like I did for the second book, the it's not about the sex. You would have to read it in little snippets. It's such a heavy topic 
but it's so needed right now because people need to know what other people go through. Um, John, thank you once again. And of course, in six months, if you want to come back on, <laughs> you're more than welcome. <laughs> I will definitely keep you posted. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. It, it was a great conversation. All right, guys. See you on the next chat from the Block Cabin. Bye. Thanks.